You're listening to The RN Mentor, a podcast designed to document and bring you the work and experience of some of the most influential nurses in our profession. We will be sitting down and having a discussion with the leaders of today's nursing world as they share their work, how they navigate their nursing path, and their views on the future of the profession. My name is Ali Tayeb. I am a registered nurse, United States Navy veteran, a Jonas Veterans Healthcare Scholar, and your host for The RN Mentor. Hello and welcome to another episode of the RN Mentor Podcast. I have the great pleasure of having uh, Dr. John Lowe uh, with us today. Uh, Dr. Lowe is uh, the professor and Joseph Blades Centennial Memorial Professorship Chair at the University of Texas at Austin School of Nursing. He was the founding director of the Center for Indigenous Nursing Research, for Health Equity at Florida State University College of Nursing. He is a Cherokee Native American tribal member and also has Creek and Lenape Native American tribal heritage. Dr. Lowe currently serves as a member of the Advisory Council of the National Institute of Nursing Research. Dr. Lowe co-authored with Dr. Roxanne Struthers, The Conceptual Framework for Nursing in Native American Culture, Dr. Lowe was the first Native American man to be inducted as a fellow in the American Academy of Nursing. He is an alumnus of the Minority Fellowship Program at the American Nurses Association and has served as the chair of the National Advisory Council to the MFP. He developed and studied interventions for the prevention and reduction of substance use and other risk behaviors such as HIV among Native American and indigenous youth and young adults globally. These studies and other healthcare health programs are guided by the model that Dr. Lowe developed, which includes the Cherokee self-reliance, native self-reliance, and native reliance models. Dr. Lowe also developed the first manualized talking circle intervention to reduce substance use and other risk behaviors among Native American youth and young adults and Indigenous youth globally in countries such as Canada and Australia. He is currently the principal investigator of several national institutes of health-funded research projects that study the effectiveness of these interventions. The Talking Circle Intervention has been noted by the U.S. Department of Justice's Office of Program as an evidence-based program for the well-being of youth. Dr. Lowe's work also has been acknowledged through numerous awards. Dr. Lowe has presented nationally and internationally and has published several articles and books. Welcome to the show, Dr. Lowe. Thank you, Wadon. It's an honor to be with you today. Thank you so much. I know you are very busy and very appreciative of your time. Um, so uh, I'll just get started. I'm actually, you know, uh, I, I'm a big fan. I've, I've been a fan of yours for uh, for a while, whether you've known it or not. Uh, so ha- so happy to have you on the show. Um, uh, I'm going to start with 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 how you got uh, started uh, in the world of nursing, uh, and we'll start there. I do have quite some questions. Uh, related to that, uh, but uh, how did you get started in the world of nursing? Yes, that's a really good question. And um, I think it began with uh, having been raised uh, with a maternal figure who was my grandmother, and that was my paternal grandmother. And um, so when I was um, uh, young and entered high school, which was a public high school, um, we were asked uh, what we would like to choose as a career and a focus to uh, by uh, what was known as the guidance counselor at the school. And my twin brother and I were sent to a high school that was in my uh, birth mother's area, who my birth mother passed when I was four. So um, we 
it was kind of strategic to send us there to go to school um, and away from our tribal community so that um, the, the thinking was, I think, by our family that um, the education would be, uh, there would be more opportunities. So when we got there in the ninth grade, we were asked about what we would like to be and um, and what career path to choose. So I went back, you know, we went back to our family and uh, we asked and, you know, wow, this, this, you know, we're, we, we've got to, we've got to make a decision here. And so it became a kind of a family kind of ordeal. And so one of my aunties who was a nurse uh, assistant at that time asked, um, she suggested uh, that perhaps I choose nursing. And the reason is because um, I was very close to my grandmother. She was a very caring person, uh, very traditional in, in a cultural sense, um, knew how to take care of us, uh, the family and our animals and plants. And so um, my personality was very aligned with hers. And so my aunties suggested that maybe nursing would be a career. So um, that's how that whole concept of being a nurse uh, came into being. Uh, it was sort of the following uh, rest of the story, as they say, and the rest of the story uh, has some interesting uh uh, narrative to it. So uh, when, when I did return to school and uh, was uh, met with the guidance counselor and uh, when she asked, okay, what would you like to, what kind of career would, do you think you would like to pursue? So we know how to plan your, you know, the, your education here at this high school. And I said, well, I think I'd like to be a nurse. And uh, she leaned across the, her desk and said to me, people from where you're from uh, do not go to college. So um, I that was the first, like, okay. And so I just sort of asked, well, what should I do? It kind of alarmed me, right, I, I, I should say, at first it was because, okay, now she knew who I was and where I was from, and that was kind of, one of the things we were trying to avoid so that um, we wouldn't run into these situations, but they knew. And um, so when I asked her, what should I do? She, she suggested that I become an orderly, which back in the day, you know, males who were uh, working in the field uh, as nursing assistants were called, were uh, called, Right, right. Yeah, so that's what I, I did. And then <clears throat> she said, maybe after that, if, like, if you can do that, then maybe, maybe the LPN. So I did that route. I did uh, a program in high school um, for LPNs. And then after that, I worked for three years. And then I uh, just said, I'm going to go for it and went uh, and enrolled in a BSN program. And uh, a small, small private school in uh, Virginia, and so four years, and just he just went for it, and uh, that's how it got started. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just I'm still in a little bit of a of a shock that you got that uh, that first uh, uh, kind of comment from a from a guidance counselor that people from where you're from. Now was she like was she touching base on your Native American heritage or? Yes. Uh, so yeah. that's so. Like, just based off of that, she said, you, "Nursing's not for you, right?" Wow. That's I'm I'm I'm, I'm yeah. So <laughs> it just makes no sense. It's like people like that that I, I sometimes I want to like if you ha if you if I ever had a chance to uh, you know like go back and say, "Hey, by the way, this is what I accomplished by you," <laughs> but based not really based off of your recommendation. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, it's the, okay. Um, I'm still like, I'm still shocked that a counselor would, would do something like that, but I guess it does happen. It does happen. Well, and you got to, you know, think of the context in the time period, right. uh, very different, you know, it wasn't that long after the civil rights movement. Um, and, um, 
you know, it was really before uh, a lot of some of the rights for Native people. I mean, the American Indian Religious Freedom Act, the uh, Child Welfare Act, uh, and all of those things were in the late 70s. And so this was a little bit before those late 70s. So, um, yeah, sometimes... It is a little bit uh, surprising, I think, even if I share that with students. And um, but um, you know, and I do that not to blame, shame, or whatever. But I just do it because I, I share it because it's what's real and it gives context. And um, um, this is, you know, this is part of our lived experience. And so. Um, when many people, uh, when we think about barriers, um, and we live through those barriers, and and I think it's it's I always think of these experiences as helping to inform some of the work and the models that you know have emerged from our work because um, all of that what we call now native reliance, but that resiliency and where does it come from and done a lot of thinking about that and need to do more writing about it but even you know my father's resiliency and all he he, he went through a lot more barriers than than I did but um, yeah so you know I think it's what what we do with it right right yeah um, I, I agree I, I definitely agree I think some sometimes uh, those barriers actually help drive or intensify our own motivation, right? Um, so I, I you know from I, I'm an, I'm, I'm I immigrated. My mom and I immigrated to the U.S. Uh, when I was uh, younger, and uh, not being able to speak the language at first, and some of the some of those components. I think sometimes I I, I look back and I think were some of those barriers that were put in front of me uh, helped drive me to where I am today. I like to think, you know, like, you know, it's it's sort of a negative push, but it's still a push. Um, so, um, for what it's worth, uh, you came out on the other side, uh, a very successful career uh, with a very successful career, and uh, and you know, leading in a in a in a in a large profession. So, thank you for everything you've done. Um, um, so. I want to touch base on on um, how was your experience in the nursing world? Because not only from a um, and 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 I come from a novice perspective. When I ask you this, um, uh, I know there isn't a large Native American community in nursing. Uh, you are one of the few that that are PhD prepared. Um, how was how was it that you got to where you are? Um, uh, through your career, what was your drivers? Who were like, like your influencers, and how did you decide how you're going to like navigate through the world of nursing? Um, I've always this. The reason I ask is I always have. I've always sort of depended on looking for role models and things like that. How was your experience with that? And you know, um, being a male in the profession. Yes. Um. Well, uh, again, I think it, it, it's reflective of the value of um, contributing uh, back to uh, who you are, where you're from, et cetera. But also, um, I think it's, it's reflective of really um, connecting to your purpose. So, you know, I... I um, Often students have uh, asked me to share about the same very same question, you know, how did you choose, et cetera. And uh, we could talk a little bit about why the research focus came in. Yes. But um, so, you know, I, I, um, and in nursing, there's so many options and there's a lot of, nice things you can do and you can make lots of choices and, and focus on um, one particular area. And um, so many times students will ask, well, how do you, you know, how did you choose and how do you know? And I, and, 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 and thinking about it, I think about um, uh, 
connecting to your purpose. And so how do you know what your purpose is? And um, one of the, one of the um, ways that I like to share with, with others is that what comes to mind when you lay down at night, what floods your thoughts about life, what, are, what needs to be done, what concerns you, what excites you about who you are and what uh, needs to be done and what, how you might play a part in um, uh, contributing to that cause. Um, and when those thoughts come to mind and you may meditate on those and think about those, but make sure that um, you give attention to it. You just, you know, don't, don't shove them aside, give attention to it. And then it's like the, what we call the passion or the energy comes and you begin to get excited about it and you begin to uh, get more excited about it and thinking, I could do this. This is what <laughs> I should do. And this is really something that is interesting to me. Right. And then once we do that, then we look at uh, what we call the journey and the path that opens up. It's like many will say the doors will begin to open um, to, to provide that pathway into living out that very thing that has captured your attention and that you've given, given attention to. It's so interesting when we do that. And so just describing sort of that process um, is sort of what happened is how I did. It does the, 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 where I am today was never what I, where I thought I would be, but, <laughs> you know, we have to keep thinking and keep allowing wherever that energy, those thoughts come from and that energy and passion to um, help us to uh, be open to it and then watch the path and the journey unfold. And so um, that's sort of how it's happened for me. <clears throat> the whole area and focus on my research really began what I describe as when I was around 10 years old because we had a cousin return from the Vietnam War to oh. our family and community and he was one of our favorite cousins. And, you know, when you're tribal and you have extended family and you're kind of grow up together and you're, you know, very close, uh, clustered. And so um, he was one of our, because he was fun, he was older, he was, but he really seemed to be lost. And I think it was the trauma you know, we we inherit a historical trauma, intergenerational trauma right. as been Native people because of what happened to our ancestors, and that's absolutely you know, yeah. passed through generationally. And then the trauma of having served in the war um, and being lost from uh, being away, being separated from the culture and our traditions, etc. Anyway, it was just. Um, it was very difficult for him. And so he turned to alcohol to help cope. And then he succumbed to alcohol uh, complications. And he did pass when he was 32. Oh, um, wow. He, you know, he passed away. We lost him. And so I remember my grandmother saying, you know, it got another one of us. And I used to think, because I was so close to her, I saw the grief and I associated the grief with the it and I just thought if I could someday do something about the it. And so, of course, the it is all the things and the factors and the variables that are connected to the substance use problem. And then um, uh, so when I think about it, here I am today and what I've been able to uh, do you know, throughout uh, my career and thinking, well, you know, it's really was about the it 
Well, yeah, yeah, it's that. I mean, that's very in, insightful for you at a young age to uh, um, try to want to answer that, uh, but to actually be able to follow up um, later down the line and actually pursue it, I think, I think is uh, uh, speaks volumes to the impact it had on your life uh, at a young age. Uh, so um, that's great. As as you're talking, I'm I'm relating a lot of this. Uh, to, to the veteran community and that's where my research lives mm. and, uh, um, and and you're 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 kind of touching on a, on, a, on a few points in for uh, in my head that you're because one of the things that we do you know as you're you, you're I'm sure you're very well aware um, that sort of that uh, identity crisis that veterans all also fe- also feel a lot of times after they leave the military mm. uh, I'm I'm, I'm sort of throwing that on top of having that strong Native American heritage and community and culture and having that turmoiled into a military culture and life and then coming back into the community uh, that those are a lot of identities that were that are um, that are sort of scrambled uh, when we try to reintegrate into back into a community um, and the traumas that are associated with that. I think that's one of the reasons we, we in the veteran community also, we face a lot of uh, um, drug and alcohol issues and suicide and um, mental health uh, uh, crises. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's, this is all, uh, this is all very, uh, it's it's all very interesting. It's making my, the wheels in my head turn right now. So, (laughs) um, so um, I want to go back and actually talk about a little bit about your uh, your research specifically, if you're okay with that. Um, I just I just found it very uh, interesting. The talking circle is something um, that I got introduced to by actually one of my faculty members who wasn't uh, who didn't have a Native American. Uh, heritage or background, but was familiar with it uh, and actually used it in our clinical debriefings uh, once in a while. So I found it very helpful. Uh, how did you uh, combine uh, that those components with your research? I um, wanted to develop a way to um, create an intervention that was culturally appropriate and specific. And so I had um, a a tribal elder who um, uh, uh, saw that uh, this was a good, good, this would be something uh, valuable to do with me. And I was so honored and he still works with me, but now for more than 20 years and, so we worked together on developing um, this approach. And so it really, um, you know, I had done the theoretical kind of work in uh, my doctoral program and then came out of that wanting to use it in a much more meaningful way. And uh, so was able to use that as the um, foundation and the undergirding of for the intervention as the theoretical framework. So, um, yeah, so it's really, you know, the talking circle is really about um, how to deliver uh, what you want to present and um, how to um, discuss, solve an issue, very different from curriculum-based type of interventions uh, where it's much more classroom style and, you know, there are programs out there that that's how they approach and um, basically give education and information about drugs and alcohol. And uh, we know that um, many of those programs don't work, actually. And, and when we have used them as comparisons to our intervention that actually it works the opposite, meaning those kind of programs, they actually uh, seem to um, turn the youth on to wanting to use. And some of these programs are, okay, today we're going to talk about pot and what it does, right? 
And sometimes if that's the focus, the youth will only hear uh, what, how it may enhance their feeling good and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not like they are, you know, or it's all about um, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Right. So youth seem to, you know, they turn, it turns youth off. When all you're, all you're saying, well, it's bad, bad, bad. And they were like, well, I've heard all <laughs> this So I'm not going to, they just, you just lose them. In, right. in that. And so what we do is take a much different approach and that it's strength-based, meaning we um, start with that every person and every youth um, was created for a purpose. And um, in, in using the talking circle, it's a sacred space. Each person is sacred. So um, it all connects together to where that sacredness becomes the focus and that um, um, every person's experience is considered very um, sacred in the sense that uh, they each have a purpose. And so uh, we begin with how um, if you if you uh, connect to that purpose and if you connect to knowing that you are valued, you have a place, you may not think you are, you may think you're, you've been told you're horrible. Your ancestors were, we were told we were horrible. We were less than human. We were all of these things. Somehow that gets still passed through intergenerationally. Absolutely. So we take a whole different approach. And so, um, yeah, that's that's and so my elder really helped me to be able to frame what we wanted to do with the youth, uh, and um, now we're we're we've been we've just finished one study where we've implemented this and tailored it and implemented it with young adult natives and um, who are, who have some struggles also. You know, they're finishing school if they finish high school and they. They are in a time period when they may not be able to go for further education and they may not be able to get employment. So they become very vulnerable. So what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. And then they become very feeling a sense of loss, like, okay, I'm worthless again, I'm whatever. And so um, this, our intervention um, comes at a time when I think – you know, we all need to know that somehow we can have a place and we, we were meant to have a place to be a part of and to contribute to it. Because it's like, you know, the old saying, this, all the spokes and the wheel, one spoke is not there. Right. And the wheel's not going to function um, right. as well. And so um, we... Yeah, we take that approach at the circle. If one person is missing from the circle for any reason, and uh, then um, yeah, that circle is not going to be uh, as whole as it should as be. Whole, right, as complete as it can be. Right, and this is, <clears throat> I think this is um, this is very telling. I think uh, I want to say a society as a whole, uh, and some of it has really kind of peaked his head during this pandemic times where we are so isolated from each other. Um, I mean, just like this, uh, just a few days ago, I was talking to a student who started their nursing, student nursing career, sort of their academic uh, career uh, in the, in the program that I teach at, and they haven't had an opportunity to really meet each other as a whole cohorts of about 70 students um, they've only met about 10 people that they do clinicals with. Everything else is online. So they're really, they, they're feeling very isolated. And I can imagine um, um, a lot of people are going through that. But, um, but you know, I, again, one thing that's always fascinated, that fascinated me with the, with the um, Native American community 
uh, has been that profound uh, 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 sort of linkage that they have not only to each other in the community, but the heritage, right? The ancestry. Uh, and uh, it's great that to be able to connect back in, back into that community uh, in a way that is helpful and productive and uh, uh, a feeling of belonging, um, which I think is key uh, to a lot of this that you're talking about. And correct me if I'm if I'm going off on a tangent on my own here. <laughs> well, no, and you know, the, the, sometimes the challenge is that you, we have to um, dispel uh, the all of the negative notions that were placed upon us as Native people. Right. So right. Absolutely. You grow up in a in a in, in a community where it was negative to be Native, and right. so. Many communities, it was negative to speak the language. It was negative to, you know, do traditional ceremonies. And, oh wow! You know, yeah. So it's you know, and um, there was even in some areas of the country, it became illegal to do it, and uh, you could be arrested, and you could, you know, there could be consequences for even acknowledging that you were native. So in public. So, you know, there's, there, it doesn't, those, those experiences and those um, time periods greatly had an impact and still have an impact on now what we, you know, what we're living through. And so reconnecting youth to who they were meant to be is so, um, just so rewarding and it's so um, valuable for them to understand. To have now um, uh, a way for them to connect and a way for them to feel like, you know, what I've heard and maybe my experience was I was in a school when I was, or I'm in a school where, you know, I get teased because of who I am, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, um, so, yeah, so it, it's, um, it's a whole different, and we give them tools to right. really try to think about who, where they really come from and who they are and some of those, and to seek it out because depending on which tribal group and which culture, you know, some may have it um, more prominent, some of those cultural ways and beliefs, and some may not, and some may know more about it and some may not. And uh, so we encourage them to sort of seek it out and, you know, it's there, maybe in the community and the family, and sets them on a whole different journey than just trying to be hip or trying to join mainstream what social media says they're supposed to be and all of that. Right. Um, and I think, uh, but uh, I mean, it, this is all very, um, very, I want to I say profound for me. Um, but that getting rid of that negative imagery, uh, I think, is for some reason is stuck in my head now um, as you're talking, because that must be to uh, get rid of something, something like that, that is that is constantly reinforced in certain areas or communities or um, um, that, that I I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, just, I want to say for brief moments, I've experienced negative image from negative, like from a cultural perspective. I'm originally, I was born in Iran and came here as, you know, as a, um, in my, um, 11, when I was 11 years old, but I remember coming, which, which there were some stereotypes against Middle Eastern individuals, uh, which I kind of ignored and didn't really think about it, but like it became very profound for me post 9-11 when I had like neighbors that stopped talking to me and uh, I had certain community members that knew me that sort of like wouldn't return calls or uh, treated me a little bit differently and um, so but having that as you know from a from a uh, from the from the point of that you're it's uh, like generational right it has a generational impact and I think um, I think that's why I'm kind of stuck on it is because uh, that generational impact must be incredible. And for your work to try to reverse that generational impact, uh, I think is really profound for the community um, 
and um, it's it's I, I think it's incredible work. I really do. Hello, everyone. I'm Marianne Leary, and I'm Angela DiDonato, and together we host the Amplify Nursing podcast. As the Director for Innovation at the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing, Marion is on the cutting edge of nursing innovation. And as a CRNA and faculty at Penn Nursing, Angela's clinical acumen is the foundation for the great conversations we have with our guests. We set out to highlight the amazing work that nurses are doing in research, policy, innovation, and practice. And we do this to give voice to the nurses who are pushing boundaries and creating solutions to the problems they see every day. So check out our previous episodes, and we hope you'll join us as we continue to speak to more nurses who are breaking down barriers and creating a new paradigm. Amplify Nursing is part of the Health Podcast Network. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or wherever you do your podcast listening. Amplify Nursing is produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing with support from the Panola Fund for Innovation. Um, now, um, now for uh, just thank you for sharing this, by the way. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about your, um, uh, about your professional growth uh, in, in the world of nursing. Um, so you mentioned... Um, uh, that you that you had somebody that worked with you through the le- research component, right? Uh, how did you get in? How did you decide that you were? What was your path going to be in the world of nursing? Like what you were going to practice, and how did you decide uh, that um, you're going to go into, like for example, research and academia? The research component I got, but uh, you're going to go in the academic route and now you are working with, uh, uh, with uh, 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 the Nursing Institute, uh, the National Institute for Nursing Research. And um, how, did, how did those uh, paths sort of uh, give way to you? Yeah, you know, I decided after my doctorate is, you know, the PhD degree is, is really a research-based degree that um, what I had done in the PhD as far as the dissertation, I really wanted it to be useful. And I did that. I did the dissertation um, uh, because of I really wanted it to, to have an impact. Right. Um, so one of the things that I thought I needed to do was uh, really uh, create a model that could be used to help describe the culture and the positives about the culture. And then that's, you know, first I started with my own tribe and then it expanded to multiple tribes. So, and it can be, um, use now, there's a way to adapt and use it across different tribal groups. And that's why we now have, we use the native reliance uh, whenever we're working with different tribal groups. And um, yeah, so I just, you know, and then I thought, well, I really needed to um, have it impact something. And, and one of the, again, one of the major uh issues that I was seeing even in my own community and some in my family and other places was the area of substance use. And so I thought, how can I use this? So I shared with it with a mentor who, um, one of my many mentors, but this little mentor, she was, uh, and I say little because she was just a little short, (laughs) based in D.C. at that time. And um, she and I shared with her and I said, you know, I really want to do something. But And I've been with this and I've been looking at, you know, some of the at the university where I was located. After I finished, I was teaching and I said, I really want to do something with this. But I know I need to get connected to researchers because I need mentoring. Right. Um, And... um, to take this further. And I looked in probably psychology and I noticed them. And she said to me, she said, um, okay, you need to, you know, contact them. And I said, well, I think I'll, I'll send them an email. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. 
you go knock on doors, and the one door, whoever opens their door means, and they like, and they let you in, and they talk to you, then you know, then 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 that's part of this journey. And I was like, well, I don't know. And she goes, listen, don't call me back. Do not, the next time you call me, I want to know. I want to hear that you went and knocked on doors. And I was still, you know, I was very, you know, still very, you know, uh, hesitant and like, oh, nobody's going to want to talk to me. You know, I'm Native and I'm in this institution that nobody is Native. And so, but she knew what to do. She was a great mentor. And that's, and that's what I did. And I went and I talked to a, um, I did knock on the door of, of a clinical psychologist who was doing great work in this area. And, and um, we had, you know, a great conversation. And then he asked me to put together a portfolio and what I would propose to do. And I went back and I uh, overdid it probably because he said, this is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and ended up doing a postdoc with him and got funded. And uh, we're still, you know, we've still working together in some way. That's fantastic. And that was, you know, over 20 years ago. So. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's amazing. It's, uh, it's interesting that you, um, yeah, it, it, it sounds like she gave you some tough love. Oh. In the beginning. <laughs> and so, sometimes we need that, right? Sometimes we need that. Um, so, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's really, um, but you went, but you went and you worked with somebody really out of the discipline, which is something, uh, which is really something that's I, I run into quite a bit, uh, where people are like, "Oh, I need to do it needs to be like nursing research," uh, because they have their PhD. I'm like, it, it, but nursing research is research. It's just right. I, I always like to think of it. I always say, nursing research is research, except it's through a nursing lens. Sure. Um, uh, so uh, it's still it's still research. So I always encourage people to look at things, look at look at mentors, or look at people they can work with, and build their community uh, in the world of nursing, but not necessarily just nurses. Uh, I think we do ourselves a great disservice when we just say we're just going to work with nurses um, and not look at uh, bringing other individuals who are who can make our our research that much more enriched. Um, so, um, that's fantastic. Well, you know, it's fantastic that, you know, you, you actually found somebody to work with that was actually working on something uh, or we're working with the community, uh, that you were interested in working with. Um, now just out of curiosity, how much do you think, uh, your own, um, um, heritage and background played into, um, your own research, because um, I've the, the reason I, I ask is uh, when I was first getting into uh, my well, I, I've, I've become uh, my research portfolio is very veteran centric. Uh, so uh, in the beginning, I had some uh, PhD prepared individuals tell me, "Don't study people, uh, don't study veterans because you're a veteran, and it'll it'll." It'll make you bias or it'll make you, you know, but I said, but that's my community of interest. I think I bring something to the table when I say I understand the communities better than maybe somebody who is not a veteran. How much do you think your own um, background and heritage, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, helped you in the study or helped uh, develop a concept that was so beneficial to a community. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, probably totally uh, influenced the direction I took because I really, (coughs) excuse me, I really (coughs) uh, started paying attention to and thinking about those who did well, like my father, meaning not well necessarily, um, financially, but did well with um, life and staying whole and not having uh, these um, uh, alternate pathways to, that was destructive. Right. And, 
um, you know, had lots of ob- obstacles and barriers and, and uh, trials and tribulations, but, you know, he really, he did, he did well um, in the sense that he, he was whole and he lived to be 91, whereas many of our people um, die much younger than that. And our average lifespan is, is, a, is a lot less shorter than uh, all other groups in the U.S., so, and there were others, and I was like, you know, this is what I wanted to really capture. Why, um, what is it? You know, what's, what's, where are the gold nuggets? You know, what's, what's the secret? And really it's steeped in a lot of things, but that's why I want, that's where the model emerged from, is cultural values and traditions. And, you know, I remember in, when I was doing my dissertation, um, and I interviewed uh, a very an elderly uh, gentleman from our tribe, and I asked him about uh, you know how he perceived himself, and he talked about um, being whole, and yet he had uh, an amputated leg, and I so I asked him you know to you know in 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 a much different way than I'm speaking now, but I asked him, you know, basically to describe, well, what did that mean? And he said, well, I have my family with me. They're here. I have, I'm here in the tribe. I, I have enough to eat. I'm good. And, you know, this and this. And it was several, all those factors that made him see himself as whole at the same time missing you know, one of his legs right. due to diabetes. And so I, um, that perspective, that perspective from him, his perspective was steeped into his cultural belief of right. who he was. And so, and that lived experience. And so that's what I wanted to capture. And because, um, that's what um, later emerged that if you, that gets to be um, disseminated and, and the youth connect to that again, those values, those, those real um, uh, beliefs and, 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 and very um, um, uh, integrated, internalized in a different way, then that would keep them through lots of things and from from harming themselves like with substances and so right yeah yeah that's um yeah that the the concept of perspective on on this i think is um is really is really key of how we how we look at life whether we look at it from a from from looking at it from the belonging and the community and what we contribute to it versus what we don't have um, or um, or what we lack uh, sort of say so um, I think yeah I mean that that definitely that, that perspective definitely makes us makes a makes a um, makes a difference and you're looking looking at it from a social media perspective uh, social media has really um, impacted the I think the youth on uh, you know um, the most with as far as that, that culture of uh, what do they not have, or now they're comparing themselves to people who look like have more uh, perhaps um, and creates a very, um, very negative uh, outlook. Um, so um, yeah, thank you for that. Um, so uh, Dr. Lowe, uh, uh, I want to give you some time to see if you want to share anything else, uh, anything about uh, mentoring, uh, anything you want to share for somebody looking to uh, get uh, uh, get into research or anything that you want to share, sir? Uh, no, I well, thank you for the opportunity again to share, and I um, I think I would just encourage. Uh, anyone thinking about a career in um, nursing and especially as a nurse scientist and, um, and, 
endeavoring to do research that there are and mentors, mentors are very, very important. And so, um, um, that has to be really, um, a key consideration. And, um, there are lots of good mentors and, you know, and it's not necessarily just one mentor. The other thing I would really encourage is to take risks. Um, if you, you know, um, it's hard for some of us, if, and especially uh, coming from a very uh, isolated, remote community and culture, and uh, I realize taking those steps, and it's not doing it all at once, but taking those steps and taking the risk is really will um, um, help to um, um, lead you down the journey uh, that that we should be that is intended for you to take. So um, I think those are the kind of the last the couple things that I, that come to mind um, right now. Great. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate your time. I, I know you're incredibly busy. Uh, so thank you for sharing this time with us. Thank you for sharing your work, uh, your journey, uh, and um, greatly appreciate you being on the show. We have been listening to Dr. John Lowe. And if you'd like to learn more about this topic and the significant role of the Native American nurses in the profession, tune in to the Amplify Nursing podcast hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa Di Donato and Marianne Leary. Their season one, episode one, with their guest, Dr. Teresa Brocky. A member of the White Clay Nation, Dr. Brocky's research focuses on achieving health equity through community-based interventions for the prevention of suicide, trauma, and adverse childhood experiences among vulnerable communities. You can subscribe to the Amplify Nursing podcast through iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you do your podcast listening. Thank you for listening and have a great rest of your week. You've been listening to the RN Mentor with your host, Ali Taya. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayeb.com. That's www.aliartayeb.com for podcast notes and resources. And don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, I wish you fair winds and following seas.